Welcome to the I'm Not a Barista podcast. We're here to talk about all things coffee, from industry careers, brewing tips, community support, and more, with some really incredible people who love coffee as much as you do. Because humanity runs on coffee, and together we can empower all the people behind every cup. Hello, everyone. This is Mickey, your host of I'm Not a Barista podcast. I'm sorry that it has been a while since our last episode. As you may know, that we have been working really hard on a very, very cool project, Momentum Duber Coffee Grinder. It was a big success, and thank you all. If you are one of the supporters, I want to say thank you so much for helping us making this project possible. If you unfortunately missed the Indiegogo campaign earlier, you still can back this project today. So pre-order the Momentum Duber Grinder and experience. To stop grinding with us, and very soon we are going to launch our next coffee project, one-on-one coffee stories. This is a book, a collection of all the coffee stories featured on Amna Barista. And what is more, next week we will be in Melbourne, Australia, and we'll be at the Mice. Thank you, RMD, to、um, lend us a small place so we can start our. Coffee wristband fundraising there, and thank you, Barista League. And、uh, we'll be there. Compete. Tiger will be there. So join us. Get your tickets today at the Barista League. It's it's gonna be fun. Really, really fun to see. I'm the Barista compete at the Barista League, and we're there not just for competition. We're there to raise funds for a female coffee organization in Mexico. We will launch our latest coffee wristband. And we aim to raise five hundred dollars. So meet us there, grab the latest design of a coffee wristband, and、uh, help the coffee community. We would like to see you there. So back to the podcast. Actually, we recorded this episode a while ago.、Uh, we invited Lars Ernstusen. He is the chief innovation officer at Lookbex. And also the head of the communication at Peter Larson Coffee. Lars himself was a barista for years, and he has been working in the coffee world for almost two decades as a specialist in coffee and coffee sustainability. And in this episode, we talk about a very、uh, interesting topic: Can we pay more coffee to help coffee farmers? Does it work? And how to help coffee farmers as a coffee consumer? All、right. So, welcome to the show, Lars. Thank you very much. So, we got to know you through Chandra, and、um, the reason why because we asked her about a topic that is kind of trendy lately in the coffee industry on social media. People ask, pay more money for the coffee they drink can help farmers. So, we thought it could be a very interesting topic. But we need to know who is the specialist in this part of knowledge, and then somehow we got to know you here. We are connected. So, Lars, tell us about yourself.、Um, what have been doing since you are especially in the coffee sustainability this topic? Sure. Yes, and thank you for inviting me in. I'm.、Uh, I mean, my name is Lars. And I am、uh, a Danish citizen. I, w- I live and I work in in Denmark、um, for a company called Peter Larsen Coffee. But 
But actually, on top of that, I'm I'm also part of uh, Lüftbergs Group, a Swedish company, working with uh, innovation and and sustainable uh, development. And uh, if I should just a brief sum up of my background into this, uh, basically, I was uh, I was an entrepreneur in my young days. I uh, started a number of companies myself and I was working at a certain time that's now we're about 20 years back and I was working with a with a sales company that I set up and I I got the distribution of of Seiko fully automatic machines uh, into the Nordic countries and I that really got me into the Italian coffee style and the Italian coffee lifestyle in general and I had some very good and interesting years working with Italian uh, machine engineers, coffee machine engineers, and and also got into the Italian roasting industry industry and started importing both machines and coffee into Denmark. and And after a certain point, I I got into the, I mean, I got so attracted to the to the coffee lifestyle that I wanted to also work. I mean, to have my hands physically into the into the uh, handcraft ship so uh, so i i actually invented my own um, uh, coffee shop uh, um, business i started a mobile business units in denmark and and after a while it was i mean that turned out very successful and we got into all the the festivals and i was working there uh, as a barista in my own company oh and, Interesting. So you're a barista, and, uh, <laughs> which was, I, I, I am actually. Uh, I've been working for s- several years as a as a barista uh, while I was running my own business. After a while, I I got the opportunity and I was offered a, a, a an interesting deal. Uh, I mean, to become part of of this uh, organization of Peter Larsen Coffee and Lüftbergs uh, because that mobile coffee shop department was something that would re- could really be helpful for for these brands in order to to reach out to to consumers and not just being a being a brand in the in the retail stores um so so I joined there and I had I've been here now 10 years in the beginning I was building up the mobile coffee shops I got more and more into to what I I'm now so deeply concerned about, I mean, the, the sustainable developments I got also into, I mean, I was attracted to the, what we call the downstreams part. I mean, I, I was attracted to to uh, the lifestyle of coffee, the taste of coffee, the different varieties of coffee. I mean, the the work and the life as a barista and meeting consumers. But the more I got into coffee, I also got more and more interested in in all the paradoxes that coffee also contains and started working more and more intensively with uh, sustainable development projects and initiatives had some tremendous years working both in in Kenya and I've also been running some projects in Colombia and and other places and uh, I mean that's most of what is filling my my work days today that is actually how can we I mean innovate the business how can we make new business proposals both 
to maintain the, the overall interest in coffee. But but what is so desperately needed is that we innovate our business in in also in a in a way that is giving back value to farmers. Uh, in short, it's like twenty years. When, in a rabbit hole of coffee, right? You never can get out of there. <laughs> no, but it's a fascination too. I mean, honestly, I believe that my work is also my hobby. I mean, it is, it's not equally fun every day. There are a lot of troubles and a lot of paradoxes and a lot of conflicts during the way. But in general, it's it's really, really interesting. Yeah, it must be. I, I guess that's one of the main reasons why coffee people never left the coffee industry yeah regardless how much they got paid for the job especially baristas so today's topic we want to explore a little bit the coffee industry how the money flows mm-hmm. um like earlier the topic is can we pay more um for our coffee somehow this can help the farmers um i think that i mean there is a lot to talk about um I probably will not be able to give you the answer. Yes or no? No right? matter, <laughs> no matter how long this meet this conversation will go on, because seen from outside, it seems pretty simple. Why not just pay more and the farmer gets more? But it's not that. It, it's it is a complicated and complex system. I mean, the reason for that is that coffee is. I mean, it's one. Commodity, I mean, and that's when I say commodity. That one part, that's one part of the problem is that coffee, in as a whole, is seen as a commodity, and we just say it like coffee is coffee. But coffee is not just coffee, and there's a big difference. I mean, everybody interested. I mean, all baristas know that. Everybody in the specialty coffee industry knows that, but that's not the majority of people. True. So let's say at least ninety percent, even. Much more, probably 96, 97% of the global population drinking coffee, they don't have a clue. That's a big issue, isn't it? So, so that is a big issue. But, but that's, I mean, seeing coffee as a commodity, that is one problem. But, but in kind of on the same track, we have that issue of coffee being a global traded uh, commodity which is traded at i mean the prices are basically set at the big uh, stock exchanges primarily in new york and in london with the robusta but but the coffee is um it's a it's a considering that um, big consumption part of coffee it's a it's a complicated international trading system and to put it, uh, I mean, what that trading system is giving is that, I mean, to us as Western companies trading coffee, it gives of us kind of stability, gives us a measuring tool. We can kind of monitor coffee from different regions of the world. And we have a kind of equal system to compare coffees to farmers. I mean, it brings also value to farmers with this system, but in general, it keeps prices low because, I mean, even though supplies in some times are 
are low compared to demand, which normally should bring prices up. And it does, but normally just for a short period of time, because then, I mean, most coffee companies, they can replace their orders and they can, I mean, if Colombia is high, then they can find coffee somewhere else. And that's trading system is kind of equalizing the price levels. And that's the volume market now I'm talking about. That is in many senses, I mean, it's good to maintain stable businesses. It's not necessarily so good if you're a specialized farmer somewhere and you have some quantities, I mean, that are a better quality than what you get paid for because the buyer, he went somewhere else because there it was cheaper. This is a very simple way of putting the system, uh, but it's it's actually trying to make it a bit simple because it is, a, I mean, there are so many different aspects into this and could probably be different if we didn't see coffee as just coffee. What, what do I think we should see coffee as? Let's say it's not kind of commodity, but what, how we can identify but, coffee <clears throat> I mean, each coffee, each region has a speciality and has a special story, has a, I mean, special reason for being at the price and the quality and, and I mean, the, the, the characters, the special characteristic and so on. And in, in the perfect world, we would understand and appreciate that, not just the 2% dealing with specialty coffee and buying specialty, but, but also everybody else. But in that sense, coffee is not much different than many other commodities. I mean, or, or products in general, who knows what, how are the workers with your iPhone? What are they paid? I mean, what is the real <laughs> price of an iPhone? You don't know. What about the food that you eat, the meat, the the dairy products and so on? You don't know. You don't have a clue. True story. I, I noticed that on the front page of the uh, Circular Coffee community, and there's one sentence mentions that on the top section, it highlights the unfair share farmers get. They receive only 0.4% of the money. We spend hmm. on coffee 0.4. Hmm. That's very little. That is very little. There's, that's a, that's like an average uh, figure. And that's, I mean, if you enter the shelves in a supermarket and uh, you buy it there, of course, there are, I mean, you can do the calculation downwards. And I mean, there are transparency and, and, and transparent systems. And there are also, I mean, you can Google uh, uh, coffee calculations and you will find some examples. How, how is the value distributed? But that is, uh, on average, yes, what the farmer gets. Yeah. That's not a lot. And I do agree on that. <laughs> uh, right now, I'm looking at one of the, the presentations that I showed on the internet. I found this part on the YouTube, and you mentioned the Columbia Coffee Supply Chain. So um, there are several main players in there. We have a production, purchasing point, direct mall, export, import, roaster, and coffee shop. So there are a lot of people involved in a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And for most of us, let's talk about especially the coffee community. I think we know it very well. And people know coffee better. How do we understand 
where all the money goes. <laughs> let's let's say one、uh, hundred Danish quarter for、mm. a two hundred fifty grams of coffee. Zero point four percent of the money goes、mm. to the farmer.、Mm. I suppose could be a little bit higher. Yeah, yeah, where most the profit goes to. As you see, also, and I, I know, don't know exactly which、uh, figure you're referring to, but but just any、uh, value chain in 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 coffee, you you would see that. I mean, the number of layers, and and the layers. I mean, sometimes we talk about the layers as just being root parts, almost stealing money from the farmer. But but there are, I mean. Many layers. I, I mean, the milling and the exporting, the marketing, and and I mean, I mean, here also in in the Western countries. I mean,、uh, uh, roasting, distribution, marketing again. I mean, sales staff and so on. Of course, there are a lot of costs related to running a value chain, and especially if you have more parts in it. The more parts, the more the more broad spread of. Value you you see, and and of course, I mean each layer put on a certain percentage. That percentage, I mean, if you start with a very low value,、uh, value and every time you put a percentage, the the prices go remarkably up. If I mean for sure, I mean the last step is always the step that has the highest, not necessarily income, but margin. You know, the、yeah. the highest revenue. And so you have to take it from there and then go back. But the lack of transparency, you can say. Then I mean, if you have many layers and you are not able to see, I mean, who's getting what. So we have to figure out exactly what is the price paid to the farmer. And you have also systems making that information available. As you said, I was introduced to you by by Chandra from Erafui. They have a system where you can actually trace the coffee, and you can see what was the what was the coffee bought at, what was the price paid to the. I mean, that's but then again, what that's the FOB price. What's the price? And then you have a number of services that are included into that price. But basically, that's the price that you normally compare. But even、yeah. the FOB price. I mean, then you have. I mean, if it's in in a cooperative, for instance. Probably the cooperative would take care of the milling part, sorting part, maybe some sales and marketing activities, which will also be a add-on. So, so you have to take that out of the FOB price to understand what does the farmer get. That price is very difficult. I mean, to get into, and then you have below that. I mean, you have okay. This is if you then know what is the amount of money that is paid to the farmer. But what then with all the seasonal workers that are there? I mean, working on the farm, what do they get paid? Less than zero point four percent for sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so it's it's a it's a huge system. We also need to understand that coffee is the second most traded commodity in the world. Exactly. It's it's a big business,、um, and a lot of people involved. And it's super complicated. When once you talk about a public traded product like coffee commodity, there are so many people involved, and、uh, the stock market is strong. The strong hand here、mm. can have a huge influence. And、mm. I don't think it's pure supply and demand market anymore、uh-huh. because the main power doesn't, you know,、um, 
like appear to be on the hands of the farmers, the supplier. Normally it could be like that, but in this case it's not. I remember you talk about blockchain technology, how to mm. use blockchain technology to enhance the transparency of the coffee industry. I think this is very ideal or um way we can make the market or industry more transparent so we can see how we can improve it and help mm. the people in this mm. chain who are really in need. But mm. why, if this technology can help, what stops us using it? That technology, I mean, I, we spent lots of efforts and energy into investigating the blockchain and we've been running scientific studies in that field. And uh, for sure, uh, the term, terminology in the blockchain is promising. The technology itself is not as I see it, as we uh, see it, uh, is not mature yet. And it also has some, you can say, environmental climate issues related to it. I mean, the energy consumption related to it is enormous. And and that's also something that is drawing back uh, the use of blockchain. And and it's it's actually a pretty expensive system. I mean, if you want to use it, another. I mean, probably the most important issue is that blockchain is. I mean, it's not better. I mean, we used to say. I mean, shit in, shit out. I mean, <laughs> no, but it's it's. You also have this uh, offline online transaction, yeah. and you need to type in data. At a certain point, if that data is not correct, it's following the coffee all the way. So even a blockchain, which is communicated and marketed as a bulletproof system, it's not. It's just bulletproof, and even that can be uh, argued, but it's bulletproof from the point where you have data in uh, registered. But who is to enter that data and what is the correctness of that data that you have to control as well? In fact, I actually think that the coffee business has a pre pretty traceability in coffee is really, really a strong point in the coffee business. If I look into our business, if I could look into our supply chain in Lüftbergs and Peter Larsen Coffee, for instance, we can trace every single coffee all the way back to the farm. That traceability system, that is a manually driven paper writing system. That's a lot of effort and uh, high cost just to get the traceability available. It is. But but basically, it's the manual part that blockchain in the current uh, setting, in the where we are now in the development of blockchain, that is that we can digitalize that manual process. But we haven't seen that it, we can improve that process with blockchain. We can make it more accessible. Okay, sorry, that's an improvement. The data is easier to broadcast or, or put them on your website and you can follow. I mean, so of course, that is a that is a, an achievement that that is a good part of the blockchain. But but basically the transparency and the traceability, I mean, the traceability at least is not being, as I see it, improved. All right. Um just to talk about the Peter Larson and you have a lot mm -hmm. of uh, data about the traceability, you can trace all the way back to the coffee beans or seeds. Based on your, your experience, how do you think the, the customers, the buyers, the consumers appreciate this information? Do they really care? 
Some do, 90%, but in a country with a high level of information and pretty well-educated like Denmark, it's still like 90, approximately 90, 85, 90% of all coffee sold here is uh, sold on campaigns with price as the primary driver. But you have, let's say then 5 to 10, let's say 10% who are interested and you have a let's say the the most concerned 5%, they're really concerned and they know a lot. And and it's also those 5% that that we kind of need to to broad out the awareness about the complexities. But it's just then you're coming into a part of the coffee industry where it's also often said this comment which you started out, why don't, I mean, why don't you just pay more? That's simple. Then the farmer will get more. (laughs) But but you don't necessarily, I mean, of course, if you can trace a coffee back and you can see what was the the price paid at farm level, then you can, of course, see that, okay, I pay extra and the farm get extra. And I have it here. It's it's, uh, transparent and I I mean, it's proven. Okay, case closed. You're, You're paying more. But... And that's the big part. You can, let's say, I walk into the uh, coffee shop at the corner and they tell me, listen, I pay 50% more, 100% more for my coffee. And then they pay two bags of coffee because the consumption is not, I mean, it's not really industrialized. It's a small production. They buy maybe two bags of coffee at farm level. They pay premiums. They buy the premium coffee at the farm. But, and the farmer is happy. He gets... He, she gets, let's say, 50, 100% more than average, but it's not covering the costs of driving the farm. And what about the coffees that are lower grades? What about the volumes of coffee? Normally a farm that would have quite a low amount of like premiums. So, so, and those are not the ones paying the bills. That is the quantities. I mean, that you get you are also lower grade coffee sold at a good price. So, so, so even paying more for the premiums might not secure the farmer. So we're talking about the number of games here, right? Let's yeah. say some farmers, they have premium geisha there, but mm. only shares five or 6% of the total production. Yeah. So there's still 95% of coffee to enter 80 SEA scored and they cannot sell at the premium price. So those 5% of premium premium margin cannot save the whole farmer. So that's the the truth. Mm. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I know that one of your topic, the sustainability, and uh, as to someone who used to live in Denmark for 10 years, that's a big deal. Organic sustainability, the future grain, those what we care about. You mentioned one thing, 1% of the coffee resource mm. we only Utilize. There's still 99% of potential we haven't discovered yet. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, sure. And I'm, I'm glad you're bringing up uh, this topic because that is actually something that we've put our uh, eyes very close uh, into because we see this complicated, big international trading system. I mean, that's not, I mean, we as a company, we cannot change that. If we then look into our our resource that we have in hand, then it's really correct. 
that the nutritional value when you drink a cup of coffee, you only extract, and that's just when drinking the cup of coffee, you extract less than 1% of the nutritional value. The remaining parts actually are left in the spent coffee grounds. And that's, I mean, now I'm just talking about the spent coffee grounds at consumption level. I mean, luckily enough, and, and really I, I, something we appreciate very much is that we have such a, an inspiring entrepreneurial, um, you can say, movement going on here in the the Nordic regions. That, and, and we see many new uh, startups coming up, working with spent coffee grounds in different ways and so on. And we support that. Um, but we set up because we see that's just 1% when drinking the coffee. In fact, we have in throughout the supply chain a huge number of resources that are not being used today. I used to say that compare the coffee industry. I mean, if we were the meat industry, and it's not that I'm. I like that example. <laughs> very, very, <laughs> I, I, I'm not very fond of comparing ourselves into the meat industry because coffee is, is <laughs> in many senses, I think at least it's a, to me a more attractive industry than than meat. But but comparing ourselves to the meat industry, if we were we were the ones cutting out the tenderloin and just throwing away the cow. So so basically, we are just using the beans for roasting and drinking the coffee but we leave back so big opportunities and resources that should be used for other income streams and there i mean just looking at farm level i mean farm level is i mean that's where we have the farmers who needs more value and we're throwing away cascara leaves water from from the wet mill fermentation. Uh, I mean, there are a number of different parts, there are resources there that if we wanted to, as an industry, we could make so much better use of. And I'm, um, we are, we're confident that we can secure better livelihood and, and new income streams to the farmers. So that's why we, we set up the circular coffee community which is a community, basically it's a nonprofit community in which we, it's us reaching out our, our hands. I mean, if you join our vision of becoming uh, or trans, transforming the coffee uh, supply chain into a circular supply chain, then please join us and be part of the solutions in, within that community. We do innovation uh, that will lead to this circular transformation of, of coffee as an industry we see i mean if if let's say i mean we've built up a billion billion dollar industry and we are just been doing that using far less than one percent of the value that we've had in our hands yeah i really like so, the example you compare coffee with the meat of yeah. course that very complete industry and it reminds me of some story that i uh i i remember when i was in denmark uh i knew that Denmark, the, the most popular meat is pork, <laughs> and but Danish don't eat all the parts of the meat. So like the the pig heads, the toes, the tails, the feet, they mostly they are exported to countries like Asia, uh, mm. China, Philippines, where consumers like them. Yeah. So actually, in this case, we don't really waste any part of the meat and use the same theory on the coffee industry. 
um, most of the resources we are using, uh, let's say you, you mentioned the water, we use uh, fermentation, etc. They are in the poor countries where we mm. grow coffee. Mm. The coffee grounds, after we brew our coffee, they are in the developing countries. How we can mm. connect this? Maybe you can give us some example how we can really utilize this without having farmers investing a lot of money to utilize their their resources they're currently not using. No, we need uh, Western companies like ourselves to understand that, I mean, we need to increase investments in the development of these, I mean, in new business models and Basically, I mean, I think those days when when we should see that, that this is like of um, its development today, also with the understanding of the sustainable development goals and so on, we as Western companies should see this as a way of how we invest in the commercial building of our businesses. But we should do it in partnerships with the farmers. I mean... Yes, we want to improve livelihood. We want to improve living standards in general in the regions where we are we are working. But also, it's 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 actually taking care of your commercial business. So so when we are working in this, of course, we also see that it. I mean, if we can develop new kind of income streams, new kind of applications, new solutions and products and so on at farm level, we would also get access to new kinds of businesses as we as a business while we are making better income to the farmers. So we have to see it as a commercial investment. I'm a firm believer in that part that, I mean, we need to develop ourselves as businesses and we need to develop the farmers as businesses. That is another complexity in our business. 70% of the coffee traded in the world is grown by small scale farmers, often small families, often with a low educational degree. And we're kind of trying to set up those uh, farmers with huge industries. I mean, it's an unequal, you know, uh, game. So, so we also need to empower. We need, I mean, we need to take better care that we empower the farmers. And to do so, price is one thing, but there is so much more to it, like what we just talked about. Get into new businesses, better usage of your uh, byproducts or your side streams. Um, but in general, I mean, how do we secure? the educational level, how do we secure uh, diversity, equality? I mean, also things that are elements that are so relevant in order to empower the farmers. Could we get more secure, more female managers at the farm level? That alone would increase the farmer value because it's proven that female managers at farm level are better at taking long-term care of the, the business. That is also an instrument that we need to look into. And now I'm kind of getting into the complexities, you know. It's it's not just about the price. It's also how you take care of the environment. How do we secure better agroforestry systems? How do we improve organic growing in order to have a, a longer-term perspective? If, if we want to do more and better business to the farmers. And we want to secure better incomes to the farmers. 
we have to think about it in a holistic long-term view. And we need to, to assist in improvements, in improvements that are broader than just a simple transfer price. It's a very hard but very interesting topic, I have to say. And for normal coffee consumers like me, myself, I buy coffee from local roasters or roaster from other countries and they pay the price. But there's not much I can do about the other side of the coffee industry. So when you talk about all of these things, I, I, I was just thinking, what could be the solution? Um, I, I know that some companies, they use coffee grounds, used one, to make T-shirts. Um, is more expensive than normal cotton t-shirts. I also saw some projects that um, you guys mentioned on the circular coffee uh, community there. Some people used it for brewing beers or make some other stuff. I think that's possible to to increase this market size for those byproducts from coffee. Let's say we have a company in Denmark and uh, they use those wasted coffee grounds to build something. Since the company has the ownership of those coffee grounds, used ones, mm. so they make a profit business model from that. I mean, for Danish company who have higher moral grounds in this case, they probably make donations to help the coffee farmers directly. But we cannot ignore that this is the reality that in many countries, business is about money. Mm. They will take ninety, the other ninety nine percent of resources and use them and make the profit profit for themselves but the coffee farmers still don't get anything back it could 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 it happen like that <laughs> uh, sure uh, sure uh, that's uh, i mean i also don't think that i mean farmers will not i mean the the farmer value will not be remarkably increased because we managed to use spent coffee grounds in in our consumption places no no we need to we need to make those circular business models at farm level the other side of the world yeah. very interesting that w w lately we have this uh, coffee grinder project hand grinder so we're looking for um, a wood source for the knobs and we got this idea how about we use coffee tray woods we can do we, we can I, yeah i think they kind of wait to, to help the farmers um with interesting fact most business use those coffee tray woods for dog chew toys but we're thinking about how to get this uh, original wood from the farmers directly. It has many issues like logistic, how they shipped it. And in the end, we talk about the price. It's very expensive for us just to import them and then process them into knobs. Anyway, we want to help the farmers. We need to invest a lot of money. Who could be the best player in the coffee industry make this happen? I think that's the kind of uh, activities that could be taken care of in the circular coffee community. <laughs> that's <laughs> great. So tell us more about what is the circular coffee community is about and um, how we can join you guys. I think actually the connection between circular coffee community and we is the excellent uh, forum to do this. I mean, circular coffee community in base in uh, basically it's a community in which uh, we aim at driving innovation for the circular transformation in the world of coffee. And it's, uh, it's nonprofit, it's uh, like-minded companies, organizations, and so on, who wants to drive and shares our vision here and wants to drive the innovation part 
because we are, do understand that we don't have the solutions of today. So we need to, to I mean, we need to invest time, uh, money, efforts into understanding how we can make better use of the resources that we are, I mean, throwing away today, the 99% and more. So, so here we are, I mean, it's uh, research institutions, it's uh, NGOs, it's companies and so on. And we try to, we strive to build up uh, competences and uh, also to set up uh, innovation projects, research projects in better in order better to understand what can we do at farm level, at consumption level, even our factories. I mean, how can we also have side streams byproducts at uh, at our roasteries, like silver skin, for instance? How can we make better use of that? Um, and we do it at uh, at farm level with uh, uh, some research institutions, and and we investigate in, for instance, uh, the cascara. How can we? I mean, what kind of nutritional value can we get from there? What kind of applications could we make of this? We are aware of a lot of potential solutions, uh, and also you can use uh, cascara and other parts, other parts from this these side streams to. Be, to make like wooden materials, you can make that from coffee side streams. You don't need to to uh, cut the trees. I mean, you can use what is waste today to do it. That is available. That we can we can <laughs> uh, we can find the source for that. That's awesome. Uh, and 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 why I say the connection between this community and the era of we community. That is because we can, within the era of we community, we can do it in a transparent way, which means that you would have a direct access to the source, the farmer. And you can actually, as a consumer, as a customer, as a cafe or whatever, you would be able to be in direct dialogue with those who grow your coffee and those who are taking care of the side streams. So that is the transparency part. And that's also one thing I like about that system is that, okay, it's a trading system. You can buy your coffees and hopefully in short time, you can also buy uh, side stream products or way, I mean, buy products from the coffee production. It's not there yet, but, but I hope it will be soon. You can see the prices. You can see at what conditions it's been grown, produced. You also have the opportunity to get in direct contact with those people who has been taking care of the the coffee or these byproducts at farm site. So actually you can, I mean, there is an AI system that is directly trans, translating. You can write in Swedish or Danish or whatever, and you can, it's directly converted into, translated into Portuguese or Spanish or whatever. And, and so you can have a direct dialogue. And even those questions about, I mean, conditions, pricing, whatever. That is what I like about that system. It's not mature yet. It's not, it's still in the early stages, but I really see the perspectives in that system. That's great. It sounds like very potential and promising platform that can bring more transparency to the coffee industry. We hope to have more people sign up on their platform and uh, can benefit themselves like farmers, traders or roasters. That'll be a good idea. Thank you. I want to bring back the regional topic of this podcast episode is we pay more for our coffee to help coffee farmers. Apparently, it's not that easy. We cannot say yes, but 
I know that there are many coffee consumers who are willing to do something to help the coffee farmers. As I'm not barista, we are trying to help baristas. So we make direct donations. We find barista who whoever apply for this $100 tips, we'll give it to them. For farmers, how we can help them directly if we're from the consumer perspective. If you have any idea, you can share with us. The best thing is to, I mean, the sentence buy, pay more and benefit the farmer is to some extent correct, but you just need to make sure that you also have the proof. But that is the transparency behind it I'm talking about here. Then, I mean, another thing which we didn't uh, mention here is, I mean, things like third-party certifications like fair trade, for instance. I mean, it's very often, I mean, especially in uh, specialty coffee uh, environments, it's not really, I mean, it's considered fair trade is not doing enough. And so, and fair trade is not the, the system. If that, if you as a producer, a, a roaster, you're just putting all your efforts on fair trade, then you're not doing enough. For sure not. But fair trade is securing a minimum price. It's it's too low, I agree, but you have the security that prices are not going below that. Then you have a lot of other issues. I know that, especially because not everybody and all companies are supporting that system, meaning that the farmers sometimes have too big supplies and cannot sell it at the fair trade price and so on. Even that system is somehow not bulletproof. If all farmers, coffee farmers in the world, they were dealing under fair trade conditions, we would have a much better world for sure. I like to hear that and I hope to see that so, happen. <laughs> but it's not enough. We need to put on all the other, I mean, all the other um, efforts as, I mean, the industry as a whole is we're not all bad guys. I, I used to say that we also try to improve and work hard to improve this part. But as I started to say, also, it's a, it's not always that easy. It's a complicated system. It is. That's why we have this topic today. Um, I feel many coffee consumers, they really do care about the farmers. They just don't know or we don't know how to help them directly or find an easy way to do that. We can only reach to roaster. That's the maximum level we can uh, reach in the coffee industry. But what more we can do? That's no, but, complicated. But I think I've come up with a few things here. One thing, I mean, look for as a first part, base ground, look for certifications. Uh, if somebody say that if you pay more, you benefit the farmer better, then ask for proof, which means transparency systems that you are actually able to trace the coffee and it's visible to you that it was traded at these circumstances, at these prices, then you have a proof. And if that's not enough, or if you want to know even more, use platforms like the era of we engage with the farmer, get to know the farmer, understand. I mean, that is where, if you really want to get into it, most consumers, they don't, they don't have time or don't think it's that important. But if you are in, I mean, and you really want, then you have the opportunity in platform. And, I mean, and there are platforms, other platforms as well. The era of we platform is actually facilitating this that you can take, I mean, you can engage yourself directly with the farmer and just ask the source. I think that's something you can do if you want. 
thank you for uh, sharing so much insightful information about this topic. I think our audience can learn a lot. And personally, I have learned a lot already. Thank you so much. I mean, thank you. I would love to. Thanks for tuning in to this I'm Not a Barista episode. Subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram at I Am Not a Barista for more empowering vibes and true coffee stories that connect you with coffee lovers around the world. Yeah.